0: Welcome to Feminine Fitness, a podcast for women that want to make simple shifts in their fitness and nutrition that make a big difference. I'm your host, Joelle, and I've been a health and fitness coach for over a decade. I teach women how to look and feel vibrant every day with workouts, food, and mindset changes that support feminine hormone cycles. Each episode, I will give simple tips that are easy to implement that align your goals with cycle syncing. If you feel like achieving your health and fitness goals is always a fight against your body, I want to help you stop the struggle and work with your body. I'm so glad you're here and welcome to today's episode. Hello, my friend, welcome to today's podcast episode and today is kind of like a topic question that was suggested by one of you guys and I am so excited to cover more episodes like this so if you ever have a question or a topic request for me to talk on shoot me a dm or an email feminine at gmail.com and today Whitney asked for me to talk about the postpartum period in life postpartum anxiety postpartum depression finding balance and time with children affecting marriage. This is going to be a good one. I'm going to give you guys some resources. I really actually love that I'm recording this now in the season of life that I am in because I feel like I am out of that postpartum phase of my life. As my kids are getting older, they can do a lot more things for themselves and that feels so good. It feels so different than being in the phase of life where they were both so tiny. I had two under two at one point and it was just like a crazy blur of life and I do have another podcast episode on my postpartum anxiety postpartum depression experience and story and so I will leave that linked down below if you are a mom struggling with postpartum anxiety and depression you kind of want to hear somebody else going through or kind of fresh out of that season I will link that episode below, but this is really coming from a space and place of being on the other side, and I know when you are in it, when you are in the thick of all the demands, all the hormones, all the emotions, all the mood swings, like as moms, we are not just like taking care of our own emotional and mental health, we really have to be the support for the little ones in our family or that like our little humans right and the more kids you have the more emotionally strong and emotionally taxing it is for us to be and have and do and it's just a lot like especially in those years and I know as kids get older and there's different phases of motherhood like There's gonna be more times where emotionally what our kids are going through is also taxing on us, but I'm gonna start with two resources. Now you guys, before I became a mom and right after I became a mom, I overwhelmed myself with information. And I wouldn't, if I could go back in time, I wouldn't do that. And I'd stick to these two books. And I would probably read the first one that I'm gonna recommend in the late stages of pregnancy or just have it as a guide to have on hand when you're like, I have a newborn, what am I supposed to do? I would have that, I would do that book first. And then I would do the other book second so when you're in the midst of motherhood and for some it might be right when they're newborns or when they're three months old or more when they're like toddler age these two books that I'm going to recommend I wish would have been the only ones I ever read and they are the only ones I'll ever recommend the first one is healing your body naturally after childbirth by Dr. Jolene Brighton And it really has quick, straightforward information for new moms. You know, if you're wondering about a certain topic or how to do something or what's one of the best ways to handle something that comes up with your baby, you open up that page, you read it, it's quick, it's easy, it's digestible, it's not overwhelming, it is not shaming, it's not saying that one way is better than the other, but it's just like, oh my gosh. I need an answer for this, and instead of going into the depths of the internet, this is going to be a more sound space for you to go to if you do need that advice, and the author, Dr. Jolene Brighton, she's just absolutely incredible, she's also a mom, this is a really great book, so once again, it is Healing Your Body Naturally After Childbirth by Dr. Jolene Brighton, absolutely so good. The second book I am going to recommend, so I would definitely suggest reading that one first, you know, maybe when you're pregnant or when baby is about to come or having it on hand just as a like open close. You don't have to read it from cover to cover, but if you're wondering about something, you can find that topic, open it, read it, close it, not be overwhelmed, right? The second book, and this is more for emotional support, this is a part of motherhood that that beat beat me down that tore me apart I did not expect that when I became a mom the biggest thing that I would battle is my thoughts and my mind and the continuous stories that my thoughts and patterns were creating that strung into negative self-talk and so the second book that I recommend is good moms have scary thoughts the main title is Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts, a healing guide to the secret fears of new mothers. And then she actually has a second book. I did not read this one. So it's Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts. And then the same author has What About Us, a new parent's guide to safeguarding your over anxious, overextended, and sleep deprived relationships. So if you're, you and your, significant other's relationship has changed dramatically because of becoming parents. What About Us would be a great book for you guys. And then after that, I'm going to roll into my three topics of discussion after those book recommendations, because the first thing I want to remind you as a mom is trust your gut more than Google. Trust your gut more than Pinterest trust your gut more than the people that you see on social media saying what they do that's best for their family and how they do things like i think as moms and struggling with mom guilt like yes there's mom guilt that lingers if you're going on an extensive trip or blah 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 people often associate that type of stuff or if you're In a career, you feel guilty about that. But at the end of the day, a lot of time, what triggers mom guilt, I think, is feeling like you're not doing enough for your kids. And when I think about parenting and I think about motherhood, I would rather focus on what I am doing when I am with my kids, not necessarily what I am doing for them. Because it is so overwhelming to think of like all of the things that you know, lingered in my mind when it came to sensory issues and colic and silent reflux and then the craziness of toddlers, right? I did not expect that my mind was going to take me to such a dark place. But if I would have trusted my gut and went with what I knew would be best for me and my family and my kids, we would have, we would have definitely had an easier transition. And the first thing I want to kind of iterate to this, an example of what I mean is when Bryce was struggling with silent reflux, you know, it was a time where I was like, I didn't want to talk about the whole reflux thing because everybody and their mother had things to suggest. I was reading and buying every product that said would be helpful with colic, we didn't even know it was silent reflux at the time but with colic and with digestion stuff like we spent thousands of dollars on products on things to try on resources and it overwhelmed and overconsumed me in my gut i knew that going to the pediatrician and really talking about these things would have been helpful, but I know, and in my head, I was like, well, they're just going to prescribe them a medication, and what kind of a mom am I, or health person am I, if I'm just giving my son, who's not even, I think he was like eight weeks old when we started, six or eight weeks old when we started him on reflux medication, but I'm telling you that six, eight-ish weeks without it was H-E-L-L. It was absolutely misery for him for me for our relationships for our careers for every area financially for every area of our life and if I would have went with my gut and my husband's gut was to get him checked out but I kept stuffing it down because I was like no I'm gonna do natural remedies I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that if I would have trusted my gut we would have gotten him on medication sooner. And you guys, it was night and day difference. He was got prescribed Omeprazole. And within a couple days of being on mepr- Omeprazole, he smiled and cooed for the first time ever. And I remember just like sobbing in that moment where I was like, oh my gosh, we're not screaming. We're not like crying <laughs> so much. We are actually smiling and cooing and that was the first time okay and then another time there were many times throughout my first year of postpartum when I knew I was struggling with postpartum anxiety and depression and I kept like looking at different counselors and google searching um postpartum therapists and going like kind of searching on betterhelp.com even like when i would hear an ad for betterhelp.com be like oh how affordable is this like what is it really like and my gut was telling me that i needed support but i kept shoving it down and shoving it down and if i would have trusted myself if i would have went with that gut feeling of like joelle get a counselor seek support outside your mom your friends your husband like really seek out a mental health professional I would I know I would have recovered big time because it was actually my counselor that um recommended the book All Moms Have Bad Thoughts because you guys, five and a half years later, we were sitting in her office and I was still bringing up shame and trauma and sadness from my first year as a motherhood, as as a mom five years ago. And she was like, Joel, have you ever heard of this book? And I was like, no. She's like, I seriously think every mom should be given this book when she leaves the hospital because it is so common for us to have all of these crazy thoughts and those thoughts then we give them meaning like if i'm thinking this then that means that but to reiterate i wish i would have just trusted my gut more trust in my gut to do what was best for me and my family not searching on pinterest not asking other moms not comparing myself to other mommy groups or whatever just trust your gut more than google the second thing and because this is a health and fitness podcast and what I see in I saw in myself and in others is moms that are so worried about rushing the bounce back after having a baby. And what I see oftentimes is the ladies who put a lot of pressure on their body to change often have the slowest progress and the slowest results versus the ladies who are honoring they're giving love and appreciation to their bodies they're acknowledging what their body went through they're in awe of what their body did and they're focused on transitioning into the new season of life taking care of themselves taking care of their baby and in more of a slow centered present moment those are often the ladies that shed the weight and that was just so crazy to me. And it was so true that after I had my first Bryce, I went back in to do a program, do a program, do a program, do a program. And I was fighting this this weight loss. Then when I decided to do something that was nutrition based, so this would have been like nine months Bryce was probably like nine months old, nine months postpartum, I decided to do something that was nutrition-based that was really focused on slowing down, easing up. If you did workouts, it was like yoga, it was encouraged to meditate and take walks outside, and so I replaced my workout time with that slow-paced or making sure I was walking every day, and that's when I saw the most weight loss so my advice for those of you that are postpartum and you're stressing about your body bouncing back i want you to know that the advice of work out more eat less is actually going to sabotage you especially in the postpartum phase because when you when you are recovering you need rest and healing and restoration so focusing on activities what even with your workouts focusing on activities and and things that make you feel restored and renewed and yeah sometimes that might be putting on music and dancing around and working up a sweat like Working out isn't a bad thing. It's the stress that you are putting on your body to do it. And oftentimes the mentality behind it, like if you're forcing yourself to do it because you want to lose the baby weight, your body totally sees it as a stressor. But if you're doing it because you're like, I need this little bit of me time, this is when I'm really going to let my soul shine through with whether it's going on a walk and listening to music or doing your favorite workout or whatever it is, your body is seeing it as, oh, she's joyful. This is good. This is something that is renewing and giving us energy, something that's not a stressor, right? So if I could go back in time, what I would focus on fresh postpartum, like let's say you are six weeks to three and a half or or have a three month old, how would I start getting back into working out? I would start with, walking and being out with in nature that is good for you that is good for the baby um, if it was january like it is is it january whenever it is january february months i would bring a stroller to somewhere whether that's a mall or a walking track or something and i would just focus on pushing my baby in a stroller and i was actually thinking about this the other day I am kind of sad I'm not in that season of life anymore where I'm walking around the neighborhood or I'm walking and pushing a stroller. Like that's kind of sad to be done with that stage of life. That stage of life is stressful because sometimes if you've got like a six, nine, or 12 month old in a stroller, they want to get out or whatever it is. But if you're in that fresh phase of being postpartum, I'd focus on walking. I'd maybe focus on strength training, two three times a week depending on how sleep is going because sleep needs to be a priority restoring refreshing meditation maybe you're not into yoga but maybe flexibility mobility or just playing music and and singing your heart out while getting a little bit of movement and whatever it is that's going to feel restoring for you and then another thing i would really recommend for moms that are fresh postpartum is making sure that you are eating meals that are easily digestible right after you have the baby up until when hormones are trying to balance back out. And it takes a long time to heal and recover. Like what's going on internally is a lot and your digestion tends to slow down. So if you give birth and you're eating these fresh, raw, cruciferous vegetables and then you're having gas or bowel movement issues and things like that, that's why. That is why after we have a baby, focus on nourishing foods that are easily digestible. So things like soups and stews and really like well cooked down meals smoothies making sure you're having a good healthy refreshing smoothie and not saying for every meal if you know if you were to start the day with a really great high protein throw some veggies in there have your protein powder in there fruit uh, nut butter some greens like a good filling smoothie and then for lunch, you have like a soup and sandwich situation that would be so good for your digestive system. And then you just have what you have with your family. And that is a okay for dinner time. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be these drastic things where you're on a liquid diet after you have a baby. No, just be conscious of what you are eating and paying attention to how your body is processing it, right? Cause it's feedback, so that is what I would do for the bounce back if I could go at it all over again. I would really focus on walking, really focus on getting outside of the house. I think that would be really, that is that is something that's hard to do as a new mom. But when you do it, you end up feeling refreshed and restored, whether that's you're in nature or you're at a walking track and you just see other adult human faces and you're like, hi, or you're walking around the mall with a coffee and you're just like, oh, there's a person, there's a person, there's a person. It feels good. It feels good. Okay. And then kind of the, a big one, a big one is how it impacts your relationship. And I want to tell you guys that I was absolutely the worst. In Bryce's first year of life, I was absolutely the worst. I was struggling with postpartum depression and anxiety, huge hormonal mood swings. Um, I was a very negative person to be, a lot, uh, be around. I had a whole lot of resentment. I lost friendships. I lost a lot of relationships. I lot, I lost a lot of me in that year. And I'm so grateful to my husband because in that moment, he showed me unconditional love. He showed me that even when I was such an awful person to be around, he still gave me grace and I am grateful for that. And if you have a significant other that isn't as understanding, maybe just bringing in the awareness of like, I, I'm i in a season where hormonally I cannot control these moods and emotions but I'm really trying. And I think that's something Sean hasn't said this. um, We don't talk about it much, but I think in that season, he knew it wasn't me because he knew me before we had kids and he knew that I was really trying. I was still trying to read so many books and I was still trying to um, journal and I was trying to do a lot of things, you know, and each time I kind of like kind of just said like oh I'm, I'm looking at counselors he was like okay you know he didn't be like we should go together but he was like okay um but I was the worst I was really terrible and if I could go back in time I'd be like Joelle just be a little nicer to your loved ones like you're feeling a lot and going through a lot but don't take it out on others and that's easier said than done I know it Um, Which leads me into talking, talking again about therapy. Like I said, when I was trust, when I was listening to my gut, my gut many times was saying, look for a counselor, look for a therapist, look for help and support, maybe better help or one of those platforms is a better option for you. Because then you can just do a virtual meeting. For me, right now in this season of life it is something that I still go to um, every other month at the end of the month if I need to book one sooner I can book one sooner but we pre-schedule it every other month and it has been so helpful I will say when you're getting to know a counselor it does take a handful of times to really get to know them when I was getting to know the counselor that I have now um, I was going once a week for a month to really get to know her in a quick way. And I even w- went and met with her when I'm in a really good place right now. And I said to her, I'm meeting with you now and establishing this with you now because I know life is going to throw curveballs and life is going to get hard. And when those seasons happen, I want to have the support of you. So when I go through an emotionally tough time, like I did when I was postpartum, I'm not relying on just myself. I'm not taking it out on my loved ones. I have that support. And my friends, like you can often use HSA accounts to pay for your counseling, um, insurance. And when I think about like, all of the things I was purchasing to help with Bryce's reflux and I was worried about spending money on counseling for me and how much that was actually gonna cost. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, I was spending way more on random stuff than what a counseling session every other week would have cost. And truly like now that I'm established with a good therapist, I can tell you every penny has been worth it that first month, I was kind of like, wow, you know, I'm kind of paying a lot to come here and just like talk. But now I really see how it's so deeply beneficial, right? Um, The other thing is kind of communication. And I know that's so hard in the midst of taking care of littles and everything like that. But if you are in the relationship, and you find you, you guys like keeping score, or you just like keeping score in your head of like, all the things that you do and then your spouse gets home from work and they get to like sit down while the kitchen's messy and instead of keeping a scorecard I really do want you to think about and Sarah Blakely who's the founder of Spanx she's got an incredible story but one of the things her and her husband talked about when they were doing a presentation together was they really both see themselves as the CEO of their homes like they're co-CEOs of their homes and Sarah started this by making a list of her roles as CEO of the household and then brought it to her significant other and was like you know this is really what's on my plate this is what I'm going to take care of this is really what I you know like doing for our family and whatnot and then he kind of established his own thought process and then he was like I kind of saw how I needed to pick it up a little bit, right? And this is always going to be a dance. Like communication is always going to be a dance. Sometimes there's going to be communication conversations where you feel like you problem solve and you get to a solution. And there's going to be other times where you kind of create some strife in the moment because you want to overcome something. I'm going to make a whole nother podcast episode on this because I think it is so pivotal for relationships is recognizing, is this an event or is this a habit? And actually one of my Beachbody friends and podcasting friends, um, she has, she's the one who told me about this. I believe the first place that I heard about it, but if this is an event, if it's kind of just like a one-time thing, if they if somebody whether it's your significant other or somebody else does something that really kind of bothers you is it an event or is it a habit oftentimes with events we can let it go no it's probably not going to happen again we don't have to hang on to it we can understand that it it was kind of just a one-time deal but if it is a habit then yeah bringing it up can be helpful and if you have a therapist if you have some sort of outward perspective on this outside of your family and friends they may help you decipher is this a big deal or is this really not a big deal if you're somebody who has a hard time bringing things up like this a therapist can help you okay well this is a really good way to approach the conversation to start the conversation in this way because a lot of times if we haven't been modeled that as a child, like within your home, if you didn't see adults effectively communicating with one another, you only saw strife and gaslighting or nitpicking or passive aggressiveness or sarcasm to to work through issues, likely you're going to repeat that pattern. And sometimes it can take a wonderful counselor to be like, this is a great way to bring it up with the relationship, communicating to that with being postpartum, it's okay for you to say, like, my hormones are just crazy out of control right now and I'm really trying. Or saying things like, it you know, I'm just so sleep deprived right now that it's really affecting me in a different way, so I have to do this, okay? But I also do think that, it's important to create little sacred moments for you and your significant other and the world. So everybody else is saying like, do date nights, do this, do that. You guys, it is just crazy to try to coordinate something like that to get out of the house, which I do think it is important to do things like that. But you can also create little sacred moments of connection for you and your significant other. So for us, sometimes that looked like nap times, like when the boys or Bryce, when it was just Bryce, went down for a nap on the weekends. My husband and I would set some sort of connection time, whether we continued to watch a movie or maybe we would lay down in the bed, in our bed together and take a nap. Um, and then also our kids have kind of always gone to bed early it, it's just kind of how it has worked out for them. And so after the kids go to bed, we come downstairs and we kind of just sit in the silence for a little bit because we want our kids to be like fully asleep and not wondering like, what's mom and dad doing? So th- we did this when it was just Bryce and he was little. And we did this when it was Bryce and Jace too, when Jace was tiny. Um, What we would, what we do is one of us puts one of the kids to bed And then we come downstairs and we do just kind of sit before we get to the dishes, before we get to anything else. We really just kind of sit in quiet. We don't turn the TV on because we don't want it to like wake the kids and realizing like sometimes we just sat in silence Sometimes we had great conversation. Sometimes we would bring up things that needed to be brought up and worked through. And those are uncomfortable connection times. And then sometimes Sean would be sitting in the recliner and I'd literally like curl up to him and I'd be like, I just need you to hug me for a minute. And I would just lay there and be in his arms. And maybe he was kind of annoyed by that, but that's what I needed. And I was getting better at communicating it. And then we would go and like he kind of does his own thing in the evening for right before we he goes to bed I kind of do my own thing for a little bit in the evening right before I go to bed and that's that so that's how we do our realistic connection set points and I get like for some you know when it comes to sleep training or nap times or whatever you don't have that space where your child is in their space and you're in a separate space and if your child is is with you all the time then you've got to navigate like how are we going to have set point connection times when the kids are around us all the time whether it's they sleep in your room whatever it is for your family is being like okay I actually was kind of hesitating on sharing like what we do once the kids go to bed because I know that's not realistic for everybody and that's also not gonna be the greatest thing for you or your significant other you know I know another couple where they get up before their kids and they each you know have a little bit of alone time in the morning drink their caffeine of choice and then before the kids get up they kind of have like this 15 minutes of sitting together whether they just sit together or they talk about the day or they bring up something so morning night like it 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 was hard for me to give that specific to you actually because i didn't want you to be like oh joelle that's not gonna work for us but just finding some little sacred special moments in the day-to-day that you could devote five to ten minutes to each other you know. And yeah, sometimes when I come downstairs from putting Bryce to bed, Sean's in the recliner and on his phone. But if I set my phone in the kitchen and I'm just sitting there kind of like staring off into space and I'm not looking at my phone, oftentimes like he'll put his phone down. Because if you've ever been in that situation where you're looking at your phone and the person that you're with isn't, you can kind of, you without words, you can kind of sense that like, Okay, why are you on your phone instead of here? But if I were to come downstairs and be on my phone, which I do sometimes, and I like scrolling after the kids have gone to bed. So that like connection time looks a little different based on oftentimes where I'm at in my cycle. You guys know I'm all about cycle syncing. But to run through again, my advice based on this topic request is. Getting the book Healing Your Body Naturally After Childbirth by Jolene Brighton. Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts by Karen Kleeman. It's called Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts. And then the other one was What About Us by Karen Kleeman. So like your relationship is just really struggling after having kids. Know that there's it's normal and there's a whole book that's I need to read this book just so I know kind of what content is in it. But those three books are what I suggest. Main tip for today, trust your gut more than Google. Second thing, don't rush the bounce back. And then third, relationship is really understanding. It's okay for things to change. It's okay for it to have shifts and seasons of when things are going really good, be there for each other. You know, maybe your significant other is going through a really tough and stressful time right now, and they need that grace, just like Sean showed me that grace. And then there's going to be other times where I need that grace, and then other times where he needs that grace, and then I need that grace, and he needs that grace. And really, that supporting each other is marriage. You know, it's not always going to be everybody is their best all of the time but to kind of be in that, that mindset of, is this an event or is this a habit? Is this something that seems out of character, out of touch, hasn't really happened before, um, something like that, or is it a habit? Is it starting to become the day-to-day? And that's probably when it's helpful to have conversation or confrontation, which confrontation isn't a bad thing. Pretty much every time we've had uncomfortable confrontation, we've gotten to the other side of connection and understanding. And the more we do this and depending on the topic, we get really good at get get really good at going from confrontation to connecting and understanding, right? Because that's the ultimate goal. as a, as um, husband and wife as our as in marriage, Our goal is really to be a team. We are on the same side. We want the same things, right? Like we we are on the same team. We have the same goal. We want to win in the same ways, right? And so having therapists, a support, outside support for you is going to help you in those situations too, navigating things that kind of sit and stir if you don't if you don't have somebody to communicate with. So thank you, Whitney, so much for this topic, this question, this request. I love chatting about it. If you like today's episode, make sure you screenshot it, share it in your stories, share it with a bestie, and that would mean so much to me. You guys spreading the podcast and, and sharing it even with one person makes all of the difference and I hope it was helpful. Let me know. Communicate with me. Talk to me. Like when I'm sitting here behind the mic, I, I can connect with you and your heart, but I want to hear your feedback. I want to hear what you think. So thank you so much for listening to today's episode, and I will talk to you next time. Before you go, my friend, will you do me a huge favor? Will you leave the podcast a rating and review. I would appreciate that so much and it helps the growth of this podcast more than you know. All you have to do is click the in the app that you are listening to this on Click the show, scroll down, you'll see stars, tap that five stars, scroll down a little bit more, and it'll say write a review. And writing a review means so much to me, helps me so, so much. I'm going to be doing giveaways exclusively for those of you who leave reviews on the podcast show And if you can't do that, if you've already done that, you can do it again. But if you can't do that because you're not listening on Apple Podcasts, the next best thing you can do is take a screenshot, share it up in your stories. Make sure that you tag me and the Feminine Fitness Podcast Instagram. Doing that would mean so much to me. It supports the podcast. It lets me know what episodes that you are liking and that you are liking the episodes that I am sharing. So it really means so much. Thank you for taking the time to do that. And I will talk to you next time.